welcome to another episode of Avanti Insights Podcast. My name is Chris Gettle, and uh, for those of you who are new to the show, this is uh, uh, where, you know, we took a little bit of a break towards uh, the start of the year here, but uh, we are back. I'm, I'm covering today from a hosting standpoint. Normally, we would have Daniel Spicer, our CISO, along here with me. Today, we actually have a special guest. In fact, we've got two special guests. Uh, so we have a partnership with a company called Scenario. And uh, this, this partnership is helping us to bring security capabilities uh, more specifically into the healthcare space, especially around IOMT devices. So we've got uh, Chad, who is the security evangelist, and Daniel, who is the market insight director at Scenario. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Let's start off a little bit about Scenario. Can you give us a quick intro to Scenario and what you guys do? Yeah, Chris, I'd be more than happy to. So Scenario was founded uh, back in 2017 uh, with a pretty straightforward goal. Uh, we want to secure every IoT, IOMT and OT device in healthcare environments specifically. Uh, and as you might guess, that's really, really easy to say. It's kind of really, really difficult to do, though. Uh, so we spent the first couple of years focusing on the tech, right? We wanted to focus specifically on these devices in healthcare, uh, uh, healthcare environments. Um, we focus primarily on segmentation protections at first, so micro-segmenting networks to make sure um, that bad traffic couldn't bounce around in them. That's, that's not the technical term. Uh, and so as we built out that technology, we started to get a, a lot of recognition. So in 2020, we got uh, uh, rewar awards from Gartner and Forrester. That fueled our technology expansion even more, as well as our customer and team expansion. Um, we, we have initially focused primarily on North America, because that's where a lot of the commercial spend in healthcare is. Um, but as we built out this really cool set of tools and products, um, we're starting to see a lot of interest from Europe, Australia, the Middle East, and making sure that we have team members there as well. So as you might expect, it's a really exciting time to be working with a really interesting technology um, and being part of a, a quickly growing company. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. And, you know, so we've we've had a lot of uh, obviously at Avanti, we've got a lot of healthcare customers. Um, many of you on the podcast series are, are probably in the healthcare space. Um, we do talk a lot about different breaches, security incidents and things. This one is going to be more healthcare specific. Um, so, you know, that's definitely not a reason to tune out because uh, a lot of the tactics being used here may be the same for IoT devices in other spaces as well. So something to just be aware of in general. Um, so today's topic, we're going to talk less about solutions and more about a recent vulnerability that was discovered by the team at Scenario. This uh, actually, it's a set of vulnerabilities. It was kind of it started from one, but it, it expanded there as the investigation went on. And there's actually five vulnerabilities, I believe, here that were totally discovered in a group called Jekyllbot. Um, of course, anything that gets a scary name obviously gets, uh, you know, a lot more recognition. So this one, this one is definitely notable. There's a reason why. Um, let's start out the conversation talking about the the devices that this vulnerability is a part of. And, um, you know, the, the vendor in question here, they make some amazing technology. Um, any IoT device has a chance for security vulnerabilities. Today's conversation is not bringing a spotlight onto this vendor in any way, shape or form. Amazing technology does some impressive things, really helps to improve healthcare overall. But we want to talk about this device and how it integrates into these hospitals and healthcare facilities so that people can understand the danger of these vulnerabilities. So on that note, gentlemen, 
talk to me a little bit about Jekyllbot. Let's talk about the robots um, and that the the vulnerability were discovered in. Yeah, sure. So um, these robots are called Athon Tugs, and I think your introduction is spot on. You know, basically what we're dealing with here, uh, not just in healthcare, but in any industry that's adopting IoT at large, which uh, at this point is pretty much any industry, you know, there's no way to really guarantee, you know, which devices are going to have what vulnerabilities and, and how to make sure that you have zero vulnerabilities on a device. We haven't done it with computers. We haven't done it with mobile phones. And in this case, we haven't done it with hospital robots. So it's Athon right now, the manufacturer, but it could be any manufacturer going forward. Uh, and so these robots, you know, it sounds like something from the future. Uh, when we first started digging into this, I was amazed that technology has already gotten this far. So basically, these robots are, they have free reign to go around the hospital. Uh, basically, their main task is to deliver different things around the hospital uh, and also help with cleaning and things like that. And so basically, they handle these these tasks like cleaning up hospital rooms, getting out the dirty linens, the dirty trays, uh, bringing medicine and lab supplies and reports all around the hospital so that the employees can focus on other things and they don't have to go uh, miles and miles a day around the hospital just bringing things from one place to the other. Uh, and so these to, to be able to function, these robots need a lot of access. So they're able to take elevators by themselves. They're able to open and close uh, door locks. So basically they can go wherever they need to go, wherever they're programmed to go. And that uh, to, to be able to do that, they need a lot of integration with the network and with the technology systems in the hospital. Uh, and they're reflective of a broader growth in IoT devices all around hospitals everywhere in the world. Uh, we're, we're seeing uh, insane growth. There, there's something like 15 million devices already being used in U.S. hospitals. That's set to quintuple by the end of the decade. Uh, and they're doing everything. They're not just doing these basic transportation sort of moves. Uh, we're seeing surgical robots, right? There's the Da Vinci, the famous grape peeling robot. Uh, they're doing everything in hospitals, and they're only going to uh, become uh, more pervasive, and we're going to become more dependent on them for healthcare workers to actually carry out their jobs. Uh, and so basically what you're seeing here is a way to really optimize healthcare outcomes and improve patient care. But you're also seeing a rise in the attack surface. And this Athon Tug set of Jekyllbot 5 vulnerabilities is really emblematic of what's going on in the industry as a whole as it increasingly adopts IoT technology. Right on. So uh, pretty cool uh, smart technology here. I mean, these, these robots sound like they can do a pretty wide variety of activities. It also puts them directly into some very sensitive places and gives them access to things that I mean, end of the day, threat actors obviously would have a vested interest in gaining access to these bots. So I've heard everything from the bot could be uh, intercepted to try to disrupt or interfere with access to sensitive areas. Maybe, you know, parking one of these things in front of an elevator or somewhere that uh, needs emergency access. Um, getting access to a space where you shouldn't get into. Getting access to conversations where sensitive information may be, be being passed back and forth between uh, patient and uh, um, you know, care provider. So obviously there's a lot that a threat actor could be interested in going after with these devices. Let's talk more about the specific vulnerabilities now. So with this, um, you know, give us a little bit about 
what what can the attacker do with these these five different exploits? So uh, I'm going to little, give a little bit of background on the engagement first because mm-hmm. it actually helps understand how we we figured out the exploits that that could be uh, executed upon. So we were working with a customer, um, and as we were kind of doing our, our our normal routine of monitoring network traffic and looking for anomalies, we started to see this really weird combination of elevators talking to to hospital robot home bases. Right, that, it was a communication pattern that just didn't make a lot of sense to us. I'm going to fast forward a little bit, but as we dove deeper and deeper into that, we started to find all kinds of vulnerabilities in terms of um, admin panel uh, access, escalator privileges, unsecured communication channels, et cetera. And, and again, this is not to, to, to put blame on Athon. This, these are things that pop up in organizations and technologies around the world. And so when you start to see this stuff and start to, to think about how are we, are we going to disclose this, how are we going to make sure this gets patched before we disclose it publicly, um, part of that process is what potential attacks could we go after and are those realistic threat vectors? So as we're doing that exercise, and by the way, this is sometimes where security gets really fun. You get to think of, could I do X and then validate whether you could or not in safe ways? So I'll be very clear. You're incredibly safe about our validation here. But the, the breakdown of these attacks came in two groups. Um, first were the visible and aggressive attacks. So think of these as the attacks that would make headlines, but they'd probably only happen once, right? Because if you get a really aggressive robot, a set of robots, people would really just tip them over so they couldn't wheel around the hospital. So these are things like um, an elevator kit attack, where a kid gets in an elevator in a hotel and pushes all the buttons. Well, these robots could do the same thing. They could effectively take uh, um, elevators uh, out of uh, um, out of service by just making them go to random floors all over the place. They also had access to door locks, so they could open doors to people that shouldn't have access. Um, they interacted with patients in very basic ways, right? They could drive at a very slow rate of speed, about two miles an hour towards patients. They had pre-programmed sounds that they could play, so there, there could be some awkward uh, uh, patient interactions there. And then if, the, if someone went after a really coordinated attack, they could potentially line up to kind of block a ward or block an emergency room, whatever, what, what have you. So those are kind of the visible and aggressive ones that would make headlines. But we also know that attackers aren't in it to make headlines. They're often in it to drive revenue, right? Ransomware attacks in particular focus on how can I make more money with the least amount of effort. So the second group of attacks we came up with were kind of the quiet and concealed attack, something that may allow for more long-term revenue. Um, this is things like data theft. PHI is particularly valuable. So while the robots, uh, we don't believe, process PHI, they did have access to patient charts or, or were in the vicinity of patient charts. Charts. They did have cameras, so they could theoretically take photos there. Um, they would carry things like uh, lab samples and biohazard materials, so they could potentially expose people to, to biohazards or mix up lab samples. Um, and then the one, you know, I personally think would be most common would be something like medication mix-ups or more likely medication theft, where they are, are going around and delivering opioids, say, to different rooms. And there's a potential if someone figured out how to use that, they could steal opioids, which is a pretty common pattern. So so those are the specific attacks. Um, Daniel, would you like to talk a little bit more about the overriding um, trends in terms of cyber physical systems this, this opens the door to? Yeah, sure. So um, I, I think it's not really just about these vulnerabilities in particular. Um, you know, a lot of the the headlines that you see generated when it comes to IoT or IOMT vulnerabilities, you know, your Ripple 20, your Urgent 11, usually these things are really complex to actually act upon, right? So if you're an attacker 
and you're trying to really make hay with one of these vulnerabilities, yes, lots of devices are susceptible to them. Yes, it's great that we're getting all this uh, attention for IoT security, to which not enough attention is usually paid. But at the same time, to actually execute on an attack, leveraging one of those vulnerabilities, it's pretty complex. It's, it's not uh, easy to do. Uh, whereas we're here, we're going into an attack that's pretty straightforward. Uh, you're, you're getting into the realm of how does this attack that I'm doing actually affect something going on in the real world? Uh, and so, you know, you're, you're talking about things that directly put patients at risk, their care at risk. And it's something that applies to a lot of different IOMT devices. Um, you know, we're, when we're talking about devices that are common in hospitals, like let's say IV pumps, uh, they're increasingly getting an internet connection on them. And so when they get shut down in something like a ransomware attack, you know, you're really dealing with something that could easily harm a patient or in the worst case scenario, actually cause them to die. Uh, and we're actually seeing statistics to back some of this stuff up where, uh, you know, there's cases where ransomware has shut down all the connected devices in a hospital and led to patients having to have their monitor, their, their, you know, their heart rate and things like that checked by pen and paper, going room to room because the monitor's down. Uh, and actually, there was a Poneman study that showed that about 20%, uh, a little bit more than 20% of hospitals that had experienced a devastating ransomware attack in the past year actually saw an increase in their mortality rates at the same time. Uh, and so it's easy to go from cyber attack to physical attack that really causes harm and damage in the real world. So it, it may read like science fiction here, but uh, it is becoming science fact more and more every day, right? Um, so, I mean, I agree with Chad, you know, one of the interesting parts about looking at uh, cyber attacks like this is, I'll, I'll say the word geeking out on all the different possibilities. Uh, could they, you know, ransom the devices themselves? Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, all those expensive bots you got running around your hospital. I'm going to shut them all down. You need to pay me 10 grand per device to get them back up and running. Um, you know, so things like that. Uh, it's interesting to um, look at attacks like this and be like, wow, I never thought a device like that could be used in this way. But absolutely, if they can find another lever to make somebody pay up, they absolutely will. Um, so the good news on this front is this: these are discovered um, before, um, you know, anything got out of hand. And uh, there is mitigation and remediation steps in place. So let's give let's give some guidance here um, next to to talk about what what steps should people be taking to secure these devices. So the, there's some good news, uh, you know, in cybersecurity, it's usually hard to come by. Uh, <laughs> in real life, right now, it's usually hard to come by uh, in the headlines. But you know, one of the things that we really were happy about as part of this disclosure process. And we, we wanted to be responsible, right? We did not want to put this out, news about it in the in the world without first making sure that this thing was closed and that no attacker would be able to take advantage of it. Uh, and so as part of that process, we went to CISA and they have a, a very you know, well-defined step-by-step process for responsible disclosure. Uh, and they were a great bridge between us and the manufacturer for really getting what needed to get done uh, in an orderly fashion so that this would be closed before any announcement was made about it. Um, and so CISA actually walked us through, you know, what their investigation process would be to make sure that these were authenticated, 
uh, and then also working with the manufacturer to make sure that these things got patched. Uh, and it was a, a multi-month process because, you know, to make sure that this would not be leveraged by an attacker, the manufacturer had to actually make some updates to their firmware and and just close off some of these pathways that we had identified. Uh, and so walking through this process with CISA, we were able to to responsibly talk about what we found uh, and make sure that no attacker would be able to leverage it going forward. And honestly, it was like a really great interaction with a government agency, which you don't always get every day. Uh, and so I, I think uh, another thing that I'd like to highlight about this process is that it's really reflective of the Cynario ethos as a whole. Um, and so I think Chad probably can go a little bit deeper into, you know, where this fits into the Cynario device philosophy uh, in terms of securing IoT and IOMT and going beyond inventory to do so. Yeah, absolutely. So it really does highlight that importance of thinking just beyond inventory. Um, one of my pet peeves, and you gave me a microphone so I get free reign to, to express it, but one of my pet peeves is uh, the saying, you can't secure what you can't see, because technically that's accurate. If you can't see something, you can't secure it. Yeah, it makes some sense. Technically, we could also argue that point. But that's what's driven healthcare for so long is let's go and do this big inventory project and then we'll start figuring out how to secure devices once we've done this full inventory. Take away the fact that inventory is constantly changing, so there's a natural issue there. Um, but the reality is with this case and many others, these devices have been seen for years, right? They've been identified in inventory exercises for a long, long time. Th these are not new sets of flaws. It's just the first time you know, we happen to interact with these and, and discover them. So we have to really start to reevaluate what are the true goals in healthcare when it comes to IoT devices. Inventory is nice. In fact, it's been commoditized. We do it as, as well as many other competitors. We have to focus more on risk reduction, right? We have to focus on figuring out how we identify risks, whether they're at the device level, network level, other places, how we harden services, how we put vendor access controls in place. So if a vendor is hacked and they're um, maintaining your MRI safe from remote, remotely, that that hack doesn't become your hack as well. Um, so on the scenario side, we have a couple products and we roll them out in a way um, that matches how healthcare thinks. Our attack detection response matches triage mentality, which is let's find the most pressing things now and address them. Our risk reduction does a more long-term kind of go for a walk, eat a salad, make sure you maintain a healthy lifestyle type thing where we go in, we identify risks, and we mitigate them uh, over a much longer period of time. Um, but we, we have found that taking that risk reduction approach and then rolling out in ways that hospitals operate has been very successful for us. Awesome. And Chad, I mean, I, I liked your analogy there. If you can't see it, you don't know about it, you can't secure it. Uh, we actually say that quite a bit around Avantian. For those of you who don't, aren't familiar with Scenario and the integration that we've got, the Avantian Neurons for Healthcare uh, um, uh, integration that we do have, that a lot of that focus is very similar between the two solutions. Uh, the Avanti Neurons platform is all about, you know, discover, manage, and be able to secure those devices. The scenario approach is very much alike. And that's one of the things that uh, really did draw us to scenario. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the Avanti Neurons for Healthcare integration that we've got, take a look at it. It really does provide um, the ability to go beyond, hey, I can manage my mobile devices, I can manage my client devices with scenario you can also bring that management of the IOMT devices. So guys, let, let's wrap up here. 
Um, I always like to leave each podcast with a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of parting words of wisdom. And I think, you know, in general, we've been talking about uh, IOMT devices today. This guidance really can extend to other IoT devices as well. But if you were to leave our audience with some uh, some words of wisdom about uh, what guidance would you give an organization planning on implementing more IoT devices, what their operations teams, their security teams should be approaching from that standpoint, how would you part with uh, with uh, that type of guidance today? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start off and I might repeat myself a couple of times, but they're important points. Um, to be clear, this isn't just about these tug devices, right? It's, it's about the broader range of adoption of devices in the issues they introduce, right? They provide great care, but they also introduce risk. So we need to better protect our patients, right? We need to make sure that we're doing something that's scalable uh, um, and, and reasonably priced, of course, because uh, hospitals are notoriously tight on budget. And unfortunately, traditional IT systems just weren't built to do that, right? They were built to effectively protect Windows machines of a certain vintage and maybe a little bit more, but not much else. And so that's why Scenario exists. It's why Avanti exists. We want to take data-driven approaches to securing healthcare environments. And, and Daniel, I'll let you talk a little bit about how we're using that data to secure these environments. Yeah, we have, uh, first of all, I got to give a shout out to the Scenario Live research team that really drove the disclosure of this discovery. And, you know, they're really the backbone of this company and, and all the, the protection and security and, and technology that we offer. Um, you know, they exist to provide data-driven guidance. You know, they're collecting all the information about IoT and IOMT devices from all of our implementations, making sure that all that information about any device risk is at the customer's fingertips so they can take steps to immediately remediate or mitigate it. Uh, we also released a data report earlier this year, uh, basically based on our implementations. When we first go into a hospital, what do you see? What does that environment look like? Because a lot of hospitals don't currently have any sort of IoT or IOMT security at all. So we wanted to give them a, a snapshot of like what the average hospital looks like when we first get into it. And it's pretty eye-opening, right? So there's something like 15 devices per bed uh, and 53% of IoT devices in hospitals have some kind of critical risk on them that would affect patient care or patient data or service avail availability for patients uh, to get care. And so that's really high, right? Every other device in a hospital has some kind of critical flaw on it that if an attacker were to exploit it, could result in some kind of harm or some kind of breach. Uh, and so a lot of these devices, they've been around for a long time, right? Uh, MRI machine, you're not going to be updating that every two or three years when the warranty runs out and they're not lo no longer updating it. You're going to expect to get quality patient care from that device for decades, probably. And so you need a way to be able to patch that device, even if there's not a real patch available. Uh, and so it's worth uh, taking the time to think about, you know, what do you really need to do to keep all of these devices secure? Your IT security probably doesn't have the scope to protect IoT devices. So what is the plan B? You can't put an agent on them. Uh, you know, in a lot of cases, they're, they're, path, they're past their end of life. So you can't really protect them with a patch. You need some kind of virtual patch or segmentation to take care of them. What are you using to protect those devices? You need to have something because we're only going to become more reliant on IoT and IOMT as the days go by and the attack surface is only going to grow. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Chad, Daniel, our partners at Scenario, thank you for your time today and for sharing uh, the details about not only Jekyllbot, 
and uh, the part that you guys played in discovering these vulnerabilities and about these devices in general. But, uh, you know, thanks for taking the time out to, to join on here. These guys have been a great partner with Ivanti, and we look forward to uh, continuing that partnership with you all. All right. So wrapping up today's episode, I uh, wanted to let everybody know we are, um, you know, getting back into, uh, you know, continuing our podcast uh, series. We're going to be doing a, a variety of different things. We're hoping to have more special guests. We're going to be crossing over into a variety of topics. We've spent a lot of time on the security-related topics, but we are going to start jumping between the different uh, additional topics that we've got. As you all know, Ivanti does a lot more than just the endpoint and mobile security capabilities that, uh, that we tend to talk about quite a bit. We're going to talk about our endpoint management, discovery, service management, and other capabilities within the Avanti stack and bring on some uh, some additional peers of mine within the Avanti group and other guest speakers in the future as well. So thank you for joining this podcast today, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everyone.